Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the No BS Marketing Podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. A lot of C-suites and execs at companies, when budgets get smaller and times get tough, they're like, what can we do right now? What can we do that's going to have an impact right now? And there are answers to that that can have an impact right now. But if you are renting your audience from other platforms all the time and you don't own an audience at all, then I think it's going to be really hard to have that right now impact. And if you dump all of your money into ads for the next year, however long, you know, we're in this kind of freak out moment, you're going to be right back in the same situation that you were in in a year from now. What's up, Jackie? Welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have Jackie on. I've been following Jackie on LinkedIn for like three, four years now. We met virtually like probably two months ago on a podcast. We've been following each other for a while. So excited to have you on the Marketing Millennials. Yes, I'm excited to be here. I can't believe it took us that long to meet. Well, I was going to say in real life, but I guess is this real life? It kind of is now. This is the new real life. I always like say nice to meet you virtually, but I think that's like, an overplayed statement now since. (laughs) But I want to go into how did your journey, how did you get into marketing? At the beginning, I'm very much a creative. So I went to school for graphic design. I got into costume design and my parents were, I think, very fearful that I was going to be broke, (laughs) Uh, which, you know, as a creative, I think it, it makes sense that to be scared about that. I'm sure it might like my son wants to be a YouTube star and I'm worried about it. Even though I'm out here building a business online, I'm still super worried about it. And I ended up changing my major to something that was more applicable, I guess, to business and still keeping that creativity. And I chose marketing. So, and then the, like actually getting into it is a whole different story, right? Cause you graduate with a marketing degree and you're like, cool, lots of people have a marketing degree. How do I actually do something with this. I ended up working at GE for a little while in marketing. And then I took a recruiting job at a SaaS company just to get my foot in the door. And then as soon as they had opportunities in marketing, I was like, pick me. They were completely building a department from scratch. They didn't have a department at all. They had one person that was moving out of that had kind of like built the foundation. But I mean, God, our, our whole department at an $80 million company only got up to three while I was there for five years. So we were very under-resourced. Then I started Excelity. And that was 10 years ago, which is crazy. I mean, I love I love hearing people's journey in marketing. Also, I feel like most people come out with a marketing degree and they have to basically relearn marketing wherever they go because um, oh, yeah. it's, it's different. I swear. And also, like, which is kind of annoying, 95% percent of stuff you learn in college is business to consumer stuff, but 70% of jobs, I'm just making up numbers, but I majority, a lot of jobs are B2B marketing, mm-hmm. which is not taught in school, which is funny because it's like most people go into B2B marketing and it's not even taught. So it's pretty interesting. I want to go into right now we're in 
which is unfortunate. We're in tough times with marketing budgets getting slashed, having to do less with more, being more efficient. Everybody has to worry about like how much money they're spending. What's some advice you're telling people who have limited budget or that budget's getting cut, how to start planning for this? It's budget cutting season. Actually, one of my leaders at my agency just joined me in the sales process. And at first, the number was like 25 a month. And then it was like 20. And then it was like, what could you do with 15? And it just kept whittling down. And and she was like, is this how it always goes? And I was like, kind of. I mean, not always. But, you know, people always start with grand dreams and then they see what they can actually get approved. And usually that's a, a much smaller number. And especially right now, the process of getting it approved, like I'm seeing budgets getting hacked in half and layoffs happening. And it's just it's a rough time for a lot of marketers planning for this is hard, but making sure that you have a solid marketing plan in place and making sure that you have metrics in place that impact the business and that you're tracking to them and you're reporting them out as much as you possibly can. I think a lot of the reason that marketing gets cut is because we are not showing our, we're seen as a cost center essentially in in a lot of companies. And if you're not showing how you're impacting the business overall, like people a head of marketing can report out on web traffic and clicks and blah, blah, blah all day. But if we're not actually telling the story and tying that to business impact, it's really freaking hard, I think, to to stay employed in a time like this. I think part of the problem is changing the conversation with how you're being measured because the reason a lot of this is happening is because for the longest time, it's been, hey, let's get the most amount of leads to, in a lot of orgs, most amount of leads to supply sales with X, Y, and Z pipeline. And if they get the pipeline, blah, blah, blah. But if you're, and I think you made the great point there is figuring out how to tie back to one revenue goals, because that's what. 99.99% of CEOs care about. And then two, like tying back to CEO goals. Like, like, cause it, sometimes CEOs could have random goals that if you hit, you'll still, they'll still be happy. So those are the two things. So I want to go into like, how do you set up a, a marketing plan that aligns to goals of a business Oh, I'll go into secondary question after, but I think let's start off with that. It's something that a lot of marketing teams miss where, especially when you're in a bigger company that's really layered and complex. Like like I said, I started my career at G. That is a gigantic company. And to talk to my boss's 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 boss and figure out what they wanted, that wasn't happening, right? And it's it can be hard to get that information. I think making sure, especially like from the agency side, from my perspective, we have to make sure that we are in front of people as high up in the company as we can go right away within the engagement. And I think it's a little bit easier for us, too, because we work with, you know, recently funded SaaS companies that don't really have the infrastructure yet. And a lot of times we are able to get in front of the CEO, the COO, whoever it may be. A lot of the process is just asking them the questions and making sure that they 
they get to voice their opinions and getting their buy-in and then bringing back in the marketing plan, you know, hey, CEO, you said that you wanted this goal to be hit. This is the goal that we set around it. Here's how we tied your recommendation in. And here's when we're going to report back. And can we set a meeting for, you know, X date? I just think closing the loop and making sure you're not just sending some spreadsheet of data and being like, we did it is really important. So getting buy-in up front, making sure that you're communicating clearly and reporting back to them and also being transparent when you're falling short because you do. We all do. That's part of the marketing game. But I think that if you're trying to bury any of those challenges, it's definitely going to come back and kick you. It always does. (laughs) It's continuous communication. I think marketers sometimes forget that you kind of have two types of marketing going on. There's marketing to your future audience, your future customers, trying to get net new, trying to capture demand. But there's also your internal customers, like your CEO, your CFO, your your sales team, your product team, that you need to share updates of like how you're progressing and put it in terms that they understand. I think people, a lot of, and this is a good advice for just any marketer in any position to like continuously sharing wins with their boss or their leader or different departments just because people need to know what marketing's doing because people just think marketing's like this like magic factory that like they do random stuff they just do logos they do this they don't realize actually how hard marketing is so communicating them in simple terms that okay this we did this this is the business impact of this we doing this this is the business impact of this it could go along I absolutely agree. And just making sure you have to be selling yourself at all times. We call that perception management within my company. And we train people on the soft skills that are needed to think through not just what you're presenting, but how it's going to be perceived by others, what other factors they might be thinking about, and trying to understand how they're going to perceive the information that you are presenting and what they're going to think about it. And I think, I mean, there's so many different things that you can do, you know, like dry runs with your immediate stakeholders and asking them what they think the CEO's perce- perception or whoever it is, is going to be. And yes, you it, you have to sell yourself in marketing at an uncomfortable rate. And you have to really be your own biggest cheerleader. And I think a lot of people really fall short in that because we're taught to to be humble and about our work and let our work speak for itself but that's just not how it always how it always works out also just because it's hard to understand marketing so to simplify it for people that like we're putting out these blog posts to do x things to do x things but also i think i want to go into something that you do right now but that companies should have been doing for a long time now they are going to do be doing is building audience because like building audience is one way to protect against budget cuts and stuff like that. Cause then you have a built in base to like at least do some marketing too, without having to pay Facebook, Google, right. uh, TikTok, whatever you're marketing to. So do you communicate that to? companies on like building organic, building those channels? And how, how, how do those conversations go? It's interesting because 
especially those who are not marketers or those who fancy themselves marketers, which is a lot of people, you know, like anyone who's ever seen an ad and had an opinion on whether they like it or not thinks they're a marketer. And talking to them about the process and what it really takes to build audience, to build trust within a brand, to build, you know, the web traffic numbers, whatever, whatever we're talking about here. I think it is just so much more difficult than anyone imagines. You know, they look at, for example, you on social media and see the reactions and everything that you get um, with the marketing millennials on LinkedIn. And people are like, oh, they probably are like, oh, lucky you did such a, you know, and they don't know the work that goes into it. The opposite happens too, where people say, oh, like he's hacking the system. He's- oh, yeah. It's like, like yep. it can be true. Like you, they didn't spend three years trying to build up an audience. It just happens overnight that I'm buying bots to that. I want to spend my days buying bots to, which is right, right, exactly. The conversation. It's like, oh, that looks easy. Do it. That's actually a good point too. It's like a lot of like CEOs and people are like, hey, I want to do what Salesforce is doing, but you're like a small like, or I want to do do what like Wendy's doing on on Twitter or Duolingo's doing on TikTok or Gong's doing on LinkedIn. And it's just like, okay, let's take a step back and like first understand like our audience, understand what channels we should be on, understand like what we're good at, understand our brand values, like understand things before you just say like, hey, I want to be like that company because they're doing it. A lot of those techniques don't work for your company. Like doing what Wendy does on Twitter for 98% of companies out there is not a good strategy, but it works for Wendy's. Um, right. So it's like, that's a great point too. I think it's like the comparison game is hard for marketers too because people recognize good marketing and they also like, they hate on bad marketing, but they don't see like the middle ground. Like they recognize, oh, these people are doing a good job. They also say, I hate marketing because it's, I notice that I'm getting spammed all the time. So like marketers suck. But they don't recognize like there is like a huge middle ground of people doing great marketing that's going unnoticed that aren't winning ad campaigns but are making a lot of revenue for the company and they do a great job and like that's perfectly great marketing. It's just funny like like there's these outliers that's mess with a lot of like internal marketing teams. Well, we have clients who want to do this all the time because they they intellectually understand the reason that you should build an audience, right? And and you can see the result of it in lots of brands that have a large audience and personal brands that have a large, large audience. However, I think that battles for people against the idea that they want results right now or that their CEO finally signed off on marketing budget in order to get them leads within three months. I would say that much of the time, those situations can be unwinnable. If you can't convince people to invest in audience and on the fact that you know marketing takes time, I think it can be really difficult to change the minds of a lot of stakeholders within a company if they aren't thinking along the same the same lines that you are. We have left contracts, and frankly, we've been fired from contracts where they want it to go all into paid, and we don't want to, right? Or we don't we don't think that that's going to work because owning that audience 
I think is a lot more important than doing all paid and looking for leads generated. So really, I think there's an education piece of this too, where when you're getting on the phone with like for for me prospecting for the agency, if I'm getting on the phone with someone who just doesn't know what they don't know, that's a perfect situation. And we can give examples and case studies of kind of how we've done it not really case studies because like the first few calls are way too early in my opinion to be discussing stuff like that, but giving them information on how we might go about building an audience for them and kind of what it takes and feeling it out from there. This time period, even though it's hard, is a great way in the future to go back to leaders and say, hey, this can happen again. The economy can be heard again. If we just invest in paid and we need to start cutting cash, there's only two options. We're going to drop revenue because that's been our only channel to gain revenue. Or we could have had a secondary thing, thing building up for months and months or years that is growing audience that we can like lean on in times of struggled because we built a audience of raving fans that want to follow our stuff that care about us. And this is a good strategy for everybody now, because especially with the walled gardens of Facebook and Google and privacy issues and not being able to target people the way you used to, like the best way to do it is build a niche audience for yourself and not rely on other platforms too. Hit your goals. I think that a lot of C-suites and execs at companies, when budgets get smaller and times get tough, they're like, what can we do right now? What can we do that's going to have an impact right now? And in marketing, there are, especially if you've built an audience, there are answers to that that can have an impact right now. But if you are renting your audience from other platforms all the time and you don't own an audience at all, then I think it's going to be really hard to have that right now impact. And if you dump all of your money into ads for the next year, however long, you know, we're in this kind of freak out moment, you're going to be right back in the same situation that you were in, in a year from now. So to me, it's a, it's a short-sighted decision and I understand why people make it. And I think it's a decision that's often made out of fear. I mean, the perfect example that I can like correlate to is SaaS stocks and growth stocks had a time for like, this is going to the investment, but, but like stats Southern growth stocks for the last five to 10 years have been flying. Like if you invested in the, the SaaS and SaaS and then you invested in growth stocks like Apple and stuff like that, you were crushing it. But if you didn't set up other diverse diversifying assets where your money's sitting like dividends, bonds, stuff like that, some of your stocks could have gone to down 70 to 80%. And that's the same that's happening with the paid. Paid is a, gro- a growth stock. Like it's good in times where you have money, where the economy is great, where you can spend a lot, but it's not good when budgets are cutting and that's how you rely on. So I think it's not that I'm saying don't invest in paid. I'm saying you have to put eggs in multiple baskets to succeed in marketing because there's other channels to win and 
I know people talk about attribution and all this stuff. But there's there's ways to measure how this this stuff works, and there's also impact. And it's also you don't have to go all in on audience building and all in on this. You can do a small sliver of trying testing things out and trying to see if it works. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even like for my agency, we are audience building. Clearly, that's how we know each other from my personal brand on LinkedIn. We're also running some ads. We're also doing our own marketing campaigns. We also have a sales team, you know, and it's like it all works together when you make it work together. Um, But you I think you have to diversify, especially to survive in down economy times. I think those that had all of their eggs in one basket when COVID hit probably struggled. And I think if we learn from that, we can diversify our strategy and and ride through these future times because it'll come again and again where the economy is great and we're selling and we're growing and then the economy is not great or people are scared or budgets are being cut. I mean, how many times has it happened in the last few years? It's been plenty. Nobody will question marketing if they're hitting revenue goals. So that's like, if you can align to that, nobody's going to question you like, oh, they decided to like go, like do social media. If you're hitting like, like building on it or like they decided to do this like content. If you're hitting goals and you're doing it efficiently, like with a good CAC and blended CAC, then nobody's going to question what you're doing. Like we said at the beginning, they're going to question marketing when all you relied on is how many people you could bring in up and into the system and then rely on like other people to do stuff with that mm-hmm. that thing. That's why aligning sales and marketing goal. But as marketers, we know that like without marketing, a business can't run. Like everything is marketing. Like whether people like it or not, there's a brand that's going out there. The way you talk to customers, the way people feel about your your product, the way people feel about it. everything is marketing. But we forget about that because we like marketing for for some companies have become just like a lead gen thing and people forget that it's every single touch point and that's where marketing needs to be involved in not only like lead top of funnel they need to be in middle funnel bottom funnel customer marketing everywhere where they can be show impact on either growing net new revenue or expanding revenue inside marketing should be a part of all those touch points. Absolutely. And in a lot of those situations, it's just not like expanding revenue. It's not happening sometimes when marketing isn't involved because it's like, whose job is this? And I think we could talk about sales and marketing all day long. But for our newest clients that are coming on, we are often trying to convince them to set joint sales and marketing goals, which is a fun, fun sell, I guess, uh, because especially those that are a little bit smaller and they have a smaller sales team and we can get in front of all of them. We can be like, cool, look, let's not bicker about attribution. Let's set these goals together. And then we will at least quarterly make sure that we are both doing our jobs. But the, the attribution bickering over like where a lead came from, just it kills me, honestly. The reason why people did that at first was because like, they wanted to show value from each department. And then right. the problem is that like that the way that works is not aligned to like business goals. But then the goal, like if you're getting revenue and it's done efficiently, your company's doing a great job, 
and it doesn't really matter what channel it's coming from. Obviously, the marketing marketing has to do its part in sales, but that's why you, if you send jarred goals, like say, okay, our revenue goal by the CEO is let's say a million dollars sales, you agree that you will convert pipeline at let's say thirty percent. Okay, cool. Like now, marketing says, okay, can you deliver? enough pipeline to fulfill that like 30% close rate, yes or no? Like, is there something else we have to do? And then you work backwards and then the the leads and stuff are just leading indicators to help you hit those pipeline and sales goals. You know, like, exactly. Otherwise, if you don't work backwards, you're going to say like, okay, I need a thousand leads and a thousand leads doesn't mean they're good or bad. Who cares? Like, I just need to get them through the door and that like sales, it's all you do convert them and close them. And that's where marketing gets screwed because they're not owning a number and those salespeople are owning the number. And then the number one person they can blame is, hey, marketing's not giving me good leads. It's mind boggling to me, honestly, that departments are still functioning like that because uh, we we had a client a few years ago that their internal marketing team, they're like, we have to hit this MQL goal, whatever it is. And and so they were just like churning and trying to get anyone through. And and it's like, dude, it doesn't it doesn't matter if you generate a thousand leads if you have 10 opportunities out of that. Or I mean, that's a dire number, but you know, we have to look at things like if you if you want to look at lead gen, sure. So and we have clients that still want to. One, I'm having the attribution conversation with them. But then two, we're setting goals for what percentage of those are going to convert into sales ops and what is the marketing influence on the entire pipeline. And I like to look at marketing influence revenue much more than marketing generated revenue because then we're back in the, you know, bickering about attribution problem. Just to add on to what you're saying, it's like if you do this MQL thing, it bloats it bloats the sales team because you're just saying I'm going to get a thousand, like, and then sales can't handle those a thousand, even though there's like not an agreement upon like criteria of what an MQL is, and so they hire more salespeople. So then like spend CAC actually goes up, and like where it might be better to just like produce like half the amount of MQLs, but they're way better higher intent right. than have less salespeople. Our internal lead gen goal for our BDR is eight meetings a month. It's very low because they need to be qualified as heck and they need to be a really great fit in our target market. And I don't want people wasting their time and shoving you know, meetings through that aren't a fit. I would much rather see a really high conversion rate through the whole, through the whole pipeline. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's... Um Going back to what we were talking about in the beginning, that that is like the key to for marketing to survive during these times, and also like like there's ways that marketing could do less, more if you're, and then also like the second part of like the like I always say this like marketing can be broken down very easily. It's hard to execute it, but easily because there's only like really two inputs, but in the inputs, there's a lot of like different variables that can happen. But the two inputs is like number of people that come in through the door and how they convert. A lot of marketing just focus on like how many people coming through the door, but like if they spend more time also figuring out like how could the, like each part lever in the funnel, like how could I increase 
web visitors to forum fill, forum fill to book meeting, book meeting to opportunity, opportunity to SQO. Like there's ways to influence all those. And if you move the needle like one, 2%, that's a huge difference of like pipeline revenue down funnel. I could not possibly agree with you more. Okay. Well, last question I have for you is, um, what is a marketing hill you would die on? I think that a hill I would die on is very similar to what we were just talking about, that marketing has to take ownership over pipeline and we need to stop arguing that it's outside of our control. Oh, well, I can't have revenue goals or I can't have pipeline goals because it's outside of my control and that's up to sales. I think that's a great way to be on the chopping block when layoffs come or whatever it may be. I think that we have to push our boundaries to take accountability for as much as we possibly can. And when you get to that place and you can tie revenue to your your output, then that's a great way to keep your budgets and stay employed. Well, thank you so much, Jackie. I'll, I'll hop you up. And if you have to go, you, you could go. But follow Jackie on LinkedIn. She's crushing it. Follow, go listen to our podcast. Our podcast is great. And go if you need help with your small SaaS company, her company, We'll help you. I don't know if I said that right, but you can add a little bit more of things into that. But go go follow Jackie is basically what I'm saying. She puts out great stuff. Yes, please follow me. And we are a boutique agency that works with company B2B SaaS companies that have raised a seed, Series A round that don't have a marketing function in place. So yeah, hit me up. I'd love to hear from you. And thank you so much for having me. I feel like we talked about all of the things I love to chat about in marketing. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.